great to see you. Happy New Year. Um, that's the last time I'll say that. I, won't I heard a debate on the radio about when it's appropriate to stop saying Happy New Year to people. Um, anyway, Happy New Year. Um, I'm starting a mini-series for the next two or three weeks. Um, perhaps you can pop my first slide up for me, guys. Uh, yeah, a bit like Netflix, yeah, but not quite as um, um, something. Um, it's called 2018, an inviting year. For reasons that I hope will become clear as we go through this talk, we are really excited to be baptizing Laura and Anya um, at the end of our service this morning. Uh, and I will talk, as I talk, I'll touch on why baptism is so significant and what's so special about that. But I do want to take a few minutes as well just to talk about this subject, the subject of inviting. Um, I believe this is going to be a year of invitations and invitations from God to us and invitations from us to others. 2018 is already shaping up to be an exciting year. I believe God has huge plans for us as a church community and as individuals. I really believe that he, he is extending an invitation for us to step out beyond our comfort zones, out beyond the safe places, out beyond our protected spaces in faith and step in to more of what he has got for us. Knowing that when we go with what God has, it's an incredible source of life and blessing. And part of that invitation, as you've already heard, is for us more than ever to extend God's invitation to our friends, families, colleagues, even strangers, to come and experience God's life and presence for themselves. Be that in our workplaces, our homes, our schools, our playgrounds, our cafes, our college libraries, our communities or be it here in church, through services, life groups, and especially this term through our Alpha course. Now, we are already an incredibly welcoming church. You guys are amazing. When people come through our doors, it is pretty, I am pretty, I mean, I do always ask people to check, but I'm 99% certain that when somebody comes through our door, we're really good at making them feel welcome. I hope that that's been your experience as you've come in today. If it hasn't, I'd like to know about it because we need to fix that. But we are a really welcoming church. But there is a difference between a welcoming church and an inviting church. I'm not trying to be dramatic about this, but I really believe 2018 is a year when God wants us to really become a church where inviting is central to our culture. And again, I want to say, I'm going to say a little bit more about that in a few minutes. I did plan to say all that this morning, and then Dan came up to us just before, just right at the start of church, and said, I've had this word. Um, he didn't know what I was planning to talk about, but he just said to us that he felt that God was saying, your inheritance is being decided today. That the things that we do today will affect us for eternity. Now, if that's really a word from God, then that puts extra pressure on me to preach this right, and it puts extra pressure on us to respond to what God is saying. And I really believe that this is what God is saying. So you can weigh that for yourself, and I'll come back to that. But first, to set some context, let's look at the Bible together. I hope that you had a good Christmas. I hope that over Christmas, you managed to find some time to chill out and rest and reflect on life and on faith, and especially to celebrate the birth of Jesus. As you know, celebrating Jesus' birth, the fact that God came from heaven to earth in the form of a human baby, it's core, it's central to our Christian faith. And you may have heard this passage or heard it read over the Christmas period. We read it here at least once, maybe twice in the run-up to Christmas. And it's from Isaiah chapter 9. 
And you can look it up there or you can find it in your own Bible or on your phone. But I'm just going to read a couple of verses from Isaiah 9. It says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. See, this is a fairly well-known passage from the book of the prophet Isaiah. It's one of the best-known passages that points ahead from the Old Testament to what happened in the New Testament to Jesus' miraculous birth. It describes the nature of this coming God, a counsellor, which means a helper. An advisor, a guide. It means a fa- he's talking about a father, God coming as a prince of peace. He talks about how he will come on earth as a baby and then establish a new type of kingdom, an alternative government, which it describes using words like righteousness and justice. A kingdom where God's values are established and people are treated properly. That's the kind of Messiah that the Jews that the nation of Israel were waiting for. And of course, when Isaiah first delivered this message, and for years afterwards, these are words of promise which Israel clung onto in the midst of some very difficult times. I mean, it's, it's quite cute now, isn't it, to quote them at Christmas. We, we kind of, when we plan our Christmas services, we say, well, we'll read that bit from Isaiah because that looks ahead to when Jesus was coming, and then we'll read the bits from the New Testament which describe the birth of Jesus. And of course, that's all quite cute, and it fits in quite nicely. But actually... There were hundreds of years when the people of God hung on to these words and clung on to these words and said, this is a mess and you've got to help us. Where is this guy that you promised? Where is this Messiah that you promised? And they did that for this passage and they also did it for a later passage in Isaiah, which I want to look at now. It's already been mentioned today. It's from Isaiah 61. And this is the passage that we've been focusing on over this weekend. And many of you have been praying. Many of you will have read this passage um, and prayed over this weekend already. And if you don't, as Joe said, if you didn't get a chance yet, maybe have a, have a look. This also, this, also this passage, another prophecy from Isaiah, another one that looks forward to the coming Messiah. The year of the Lord's favour. Isaiah chapter 61, there are four verses. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. To proclaim freedom. Sorry, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for the captives. Release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated, They will renew the cities that have been devastated for generations. I mean, I love the poetic language of that. I love the promise of it. I love all the energy and potential that's captivated and bound up in that passage. It looks ahead to the promised Messiah. It describes the kind of leader he's going to be, the kind of mission that he's going to have. 
And at the start of Jesus' ministry in Luke chapter 4, you may well know this story, Jesus goes into his local synagogue and he picks up the scroll to read and he picks up this scroll and he reads this passage from the Old Testament, from Isaiah. And he reads it out publicly, just like I have done, and there's nothing abnormal or strange about that. But at the end of the reading, Jesus says, okay, he reads the passage and they all go, oh yeah, that's the... That's that one about the coming Messiah. And at the end of it, Jesus puts the scroll down and he says, and you can find this in Luke 4, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And that is really significant. In other words, Jesus is announcing, you know that promised Messiah, the one we've been reading about for so long, the one we've been waiting for, that's Me, Jesus says. Not me, Nigel. Me, Jesus. The one who's going to come and bind up the brokenhearted, the one who brings freedom for captives, that's me. Recovery of sight to the blind, healing to the sick, freedom for the demonized, life for the dead, Jesus says, that's me. All of those things happened in Jesus' three years of ministry and more. The one who will bring hope for those who are broken, those who are struggling, those who are grieving, those who are stressed out, those who are rejected and abused, that's me, Jesus says. This passage is Jesus' job description. It's his job description. It's what he came to do. And it's the job description he leaves for us, his followers. Because he, as he left the earth, Jesus said, all of those of you who are following me, do what I'm doing. Teach them to do what I'm doing, he says. And so these are the things that we are called to do too. And here in Winchester Vineyard Church, this is one of the key passages that inform our vision, that help us figure out how to make sense of our faith, how to express our love for God in our ordinary everyday lives. How to live differently. How to make a difference. How to have some meaning. This is the stuff we're called to, to get involved in God's incredible, transforming work. There are numerous ongoing stories of people who come to this church. Some of you, I look out and I've spoken to you about what's going on in your lives and you have come And you have felt trapped, and you have felt broken, and you have felt brokenhearted, and you have felt in need. And by spending time in God's presence, and allowing Jesus and others to walk through your stuff with you, you have seen your struggles begin to turn into positive changes. Now, some of you are still in the middle of that. I mean, what an amazing story. Andy and Ali, we have watched you go through this stuff, and we applaud you. You know, it's just been incredible to see how real and how you've struggled with this this particular thing about the house, but how you've stayed close to each other and close to God and just tried to push through and trust that there would be an answer. And that's a real story. And there are plenty of others. And some of you are right in the middle of some of them right now. Allowing Jesus to walk through our struggles with us is the start of transformation. And it's beautiful to see what God does. And in our job, it's such a privilege that we get to see what God's doing and find out and talk to people about what God's doing in their lives. It's such a wonderful privilege and beautiful thing to witness. It's not always easy. It can be really hard. It can be messy. 
Life is not easy. It's not straightforward. And maybe, when you're, if maybe you're walking through something difficult now yourself, or maybe you're just trying to support one of your friends or somebody who's close to you as they're walking through difficult, troubling, hard things. And trying to do that and stay close to Jesus and try and trust him, that's hard, it's messy. But there is a fundamental truth contained in this passage, which is just as relevant now and here in 2018 in Winchester as it was for Jesus' time and for the Jewish nation, in fact, when these words were first written. The passage describes a journey from brokenness to wholeness, from slavery to freedom, from darkness to light, from devastation to hope. It describes how those who are rescued become the ones who rescue. It describes how those who were in need of repair become the ones who restore and rebuild places, cities, nations that have been long devastated. This is God's big story of transformation, of freedom and of life. He not only picks us up and turns us around and sets our feet on higher ground, to quote Van Morrison, but he gives us a new song to sing, a new vision to live out, a new story to be part of. He calls us to change the world. He calls us to join the movement. And it's a story we're all involved in. One way or another, we are involved in this story. Just the fact that you're here today means you're engaged in some way with a story that is just so much bigger than any one thing any of us could do. And by the way, if you're here and you're not a believer, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian um, and you're here today, I really want to welcome you. Thank you for coming. Um, I trust that whatever your reasons for coming or whatever your questions are about life, I hope and trust that this talk goes some way to helping. And if we can, we would love to talk to you afterwards or simply just to pray for you that God would encounter you with his presence. Come and chat to me afterwards if that's you. For some of us, though, even though we might have been following Jesus for a long time, actually there are significant areas of our life which, if we're honest, are still in captivity or in darkness. The reality of this promise is that wherever we are, if we embrace our brokenness, as we allow God to go to those deep places, the painful corners that we would rather keep shut, that he will meet us in incredible ways. And we will start to experience freedom and transformation in life. But it costs, it's going to cost us something. Now, who wants to grow in freedom? <laughs> Who's facing anxieties or stress? You don't have to put your hands up, it's fine. <laughs> are you facing anxieties or stress or pain? Who's got issues going? How many of us are struggling and just need a little bit of peace or headspace or need something to change? Maybe, have you, have you I mean, where, where are we? We're on the 7th, so we're seven days into the new year. How many of you have, thought, how many of you have had this thought or something similar? Yep, happy new year, great, 2018, new year, same old struggles. Has anybody had that thought, or is it just me? Okay, thanks for being honest, two of you. See, I read back through my journals, and I find that the things that are causing me concern at the start of this year have been some of the things that caused me concern last year, and the year before, and the year before, to some extent. Some of the questions I'm asking are, do I have the resources to get through life? These are real questions. Have I got the emotional resources, the spiritual, the psychological have I got the time? Do I use my time well? Have I got the finances, the wisdom for parenting? 
All of these are very real questions. And none of these stresses particularly change as the year ticks over. The message of this passage is that God's kingdom is bigger than all of this. And his story is one of, his story is one of embracing weakness and vulnerability. And so when I talk about a year of invitation, the first invitation I want to emphasize to you is that I really believe that God is inviting us to recognize and acknowledge our weaknesses and actively look to grow through them, to put ourselves deliberately into stretch zones, not stay in comfort zones. To actually admit that things are not good in our marriage, for example. Let's just admit that rather than try and hide it. Or that things are not good in our personal life. Or that things are not good with our addictive behavior patterns that we've got. Let's actually admit this stuff rather than hide it away. And then find a way to be real and find a way to allow God into that. Come and walk through that with us. You know, in February and March this year, we're going to run a big series, big, big series, two, two months long. It's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It's a wonderful book. You might want to read it and get a heads up. Or you can just wait and I'll tell you all about it in February. But it's a fantastic book. It basically says uh, it is impossibly, it's impossible to be spiritually mature and yet emotionally immature. We'll look at that more in February and March. This is just a great, I'm just, I'm just giving you a bit of a menu, a bit of a, a foretaste of what's coming. So there's an invitation to step into, to be real about what God's doing in our emotional and personal and spiritual lives, about how we really need to grow and change, and not just pretend that we're fine and carry on as we are. There's no guilt here, by the way. Just what's the Spirit saying? I'm not here to lay some kind of trip on you. But maybe today is a good day just to admit that the Spirit's actually talking to us about this. You know, we're going to see these girls get baptised, and baptism is an outward, symbolic act that describes an inward, fundamental change that happens to all of us when we come to God. The process is that we die to ourselves and become alive to God. That's the symbolism of going down into the water and coming back up again. That we exchange our old life of sin for God's new life of the Spirit. You're going to see two people act that out physically in a few minutes. And it's a special and a symbolic day for them as they share their story. But actually, it's a lifetime's journey. And those of you who are getting baptised, don't think that everything's going to suddenly work out amazingly from today. Because it doesn't work like that. You know, in the same way as a wedding is the symbolic and important and special day when two people's relationship joins together... It's the whole marriage that lasts. It's the journey as the relationship grows through days and weeks and months and years of walking together through life that the, 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 the trust deepens, the bonds develop, and the marriage matures. And so in baptism, it's the same. It's a wonderful day. It's really important. It's highly symbolic. But actually, it's the days and the weeks and the months and the years that we walk with Jesus that deepen our trust and develop our relationship and grow our maturity. And those of you who've been baptised, whether it was last week or last year or 20 years ago, will know that to be true. You see, it's as we walk through the high points and the low points that we learn to trust God, just like Andy was just describing That's the real stuff of faith and maturity. 
It's when the hard stuff happens, when we lose people we love, when relationships break down, when people let us down. That's when our faith really starts to count. And that's the story that we're living out in this church. I'm often talking to people here and they're they're on a journey of faith. I can think of half a dozen people I met in the run-up to Christmas. All of whom were here in our service, some of them in the morning, some in the evening, who were just asking questions. Fundamental questions and wondering what following Jesus actually is really about. Some of them are just looking for a sense of peace and hoping to encounter some sort of peace. Actually, those are the people, I'll just let you into a little secret. Sorry if this is news to you, but those are the people that we're really here for. Those are the people that we exist for. Those are the people who are looking for Jesus. Let me remind you of our vision statement, what our vision says. Just look at the big words, the other bits there, but you can read that later for yourselves. The vision that we believe that God gave us for this church is that we, that we believe God wants us to rewrite the story of our city, restoring hope and bringing life to individuals and institutions. I'm not going to read through the rest, but that's our vision. It's nothing short of a complete transformation of the whole city, starting with the individuals. And whatever actual activity or programs or initiatives we run as a church, whatever groups or courses or services we we do, this vision doesn't change. Now that's the vision. What about the strategy? Well, two years ago, we launched a kind of vision strategy. Um, We sort of drew it up like a football goal, just because it's easy to remember. And we said that there are three things that we're going to do in order to fulfill that vision. And the two goalposts, one either side, are we're going to grow our gathered environments. By gathered environments, that's a fancy word. It just means when we get together. We're going to make more space for people to come to church. Well, we did that. We started an evening service last year. We'll carry on with it tonight. We're going to continue to make life groups really easy to join for anybody. We're going to run courses that are going to be helpful and relevant and community groups that are fun and accessible. And now we're launching an alpha course. We are trying to grow our gathered environments and make more space for people to come and meet God. The other, the other post, the other goalpost, is equally as important, and it's that we would release scattered servants. That, we would, that our mission here is to empower all of us to live out our faith in a very real way and a practical and a spiritual way every day. We often interview people up here about what they're going to be doing this time tomorrow. You know, many of you, quite a few of you have come up and shared your story with us. The teaching here is designed to equip us to bring hope and life into every situation. This is not just about Sunday morning from 10.30 till 12 or from 6.30 till 8 on the Sunday evening. This is not about that. It's about how we bring God into every situation, every day, every moment. Many of us are intentionally engaged in relationships and networks and groups and activities which put us regularly around people who don't yet know God. We're not there to Bible bash, but we are there to bring hope and life, trusting that God will open doors, that we can share the comfort and the peace and the wisdom of Jesus in those everyday situations. And we have a brilliant training conference coming up in February called Speaking Words of Life. Mark is going to be involved, Mark Isles, and we've also got a brilliant guest speaker for our kids. We'll tell you all the information about that next week. But that's just to encourage us and to train us in how we continue to speak Words of life. And then lastly, the crossbar, stewarding the presence of God. That when we come to church, we have an expectation 
as we gather that the Holy Spirit will be with us in our midst and that we'll do everything we can to expect and encourage and steward that. But it's not just for when we gather, it's for when we scatter. The presence of God is with us all the time. And that's kind of our strategy. So has our vision changed? No. Has our strategy changed? No. We will still focus on the in and the out, on empowering people to carry God's presence. So what about this business of becoming an inviting church that I mentioned? What do I mean by that? I wonder, I wonder why it is that you first came here. What brought you here? Or if not here, to the first church that you properly joined. What was it that brought you here? Did somebody invite you? Did somebody welcome you? Did somebody say, hey, come, come. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Jesus issues three invitations. I spoke about this back in September. He says, come and rest. Come and find rest, Jesus says. That's the first invitation. Are you, are you struggling? Are you stressed? Come and find peace. Then he says, come and follow. Come and follow me and see if living your life my way makes a difference. And then he says, come and abide. Come and live in me and me and you. His invitations are there for anyone. And we as a church are commissioned to extend those invitations to others. And honestly, between you and me, there are hundreds of thousands of people around here who need to meet with Jesus. And while many of them are asking searching questions, some of them are experiencing a degree of uncertainty or stress. Most of those people are not here in church or in any church. And they wouldn't think of naturally coming to Jesus or coming to church as a possible answer to their struggles. And yet, we know that that's the truth. Many wouldn't naturally think, oh, I'll go to church today. Or, oh, I've heard there's an Alpha course, I'll go there. It's a pretty difficult cultural barrier for somebody to get over, unless somebody goes and invites them. Now, I can already feel the tension rising for some of us as I start to talk about this. What? You mean you want me to go and invite people to church? And for some, maybe many of us, that thought starts to induce a little bit of stress and fear. Maybe if you are experiencing that tension, it's an indication that there may be some growing for us to do in this area. This is part of our discipleship of following Jesus. I know that I have growing to do in this area. Let me encourage you, it's, all not, it's not all bad news. This is a wonderful church and you are great people. And many of you are already doing this. We had three, four invitation events before Christmas. There was a service that we did at the end of November, which we called a healing and encounter service, and some of you invited people to come. We had a men's curry night, we had a carol service, and an all-age nativity, all of which were attended by a really high percentage of guests. Like, in some cases, over 50% of the people who were here were guests, which is wonderful. Thank you. They came because you invited them. Thank you for doing that. The truth is the general stats for the wider church, I don't have stats for this church, are that around 20% of us are probably doing all that inviting. Maybe it's a few more percent here. So the reality is that there's still a whole load of us who are not inviting people to come to church, who are not thinking, oh, the Alpha Party, who could come to that? What are the reasons for that? We don't have time to get into that now, but that's next week's talk. I'm going to dig into that. Why the fear of ridicule, the fear of rejection might be something that we can press into and an area in which we can grow. But I do want to say one thing just to allay your fears. And that's this. The responsibility for giving an invitation like this one 
to somebody and saying, hey, there's an event going on at my church. Would you like to come? That's ours if God is calling us to do that. Whether that person decides to come or not is nothing to do with us. The responsibility for them coming, saying yes or no, that's God's business and their business. And we don't have to get involved in that. So you don't have to feel guilty if you invited somebody and they didn't come. You need to simply be asking God, who is it that you're calling me to invite? You know, I've been out on the... <laughs> I was walking home from school once with a guy from the school run a couple of years ago, and I was just chatting to him. guy lives around the corner from me. And I said, oh, how are you? And he said, oh, I've got this injured foot. And I said, oh, I said, oh this is going to sound really weird, but I'm, um, I'm a praying person, and I, I sometimes pray... You know, I believe that when you pray for people, God does something and it gets better. He said, oh, thanks very much. I'm not a praying person. You're not praying for me. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> thanks. Okay, well, have a good day anyway. <laughs> I did my job. I did the bit that I was supposed to do. It's not my responsibility. Would you like to come to church? Yeah, great. Would you like to come to church? No, thanks. Okay. I'll come to that more next week. But I just want to finish. I'm going to finish in a second. I just want to finish by reminding you about how membership works around here. You see, if you're part of this church, we don't have a formal membership. We don't have a sign on the dotted line. We don't have a swearing-in ceremony. You see, membership here is functional. If you function as a member, you're a member. And we say there are four things, or historically we've been very consistent to say that to be thought of a member in this church, you need to be either doing or working towards four things. One of them is worshipping with us on a Sunday, as you are here now. Membership, but membership is more than just showing up on a Sunday. Membership is deciding that this is the group of people that I want to do my discipleship of Jesus with. And so therefore, it looks like joining a small group or a life group. Oops, I've jumped ahead. Go back. It looks like joining a life group and making some friends. It looks like becoming a host rather than a guest. You know, we move from being guests to hosts, and we try and avoid the bit in the middle, which is consumerism. Okay, so once you've been here a few weeks, okay, you're welcome, by the way, if you're a guest, and you're welcome to come and be a guest for as long as you need to do. But if you've got to the point where you've decided that you're not a guest anymore, you want to join us, you want to be part of this thing, then jump through the consumer thing and become a host. Okay, just get stuck in, get involved. That's what membership looks like here. And lastly, we talk about buying in, buying into the vision, giving our money. And those things haven't changed. But this year, I felt like, and I've thought about this for a long time, Joe and I have prayed about this, and I really feel that there's a fifth element that we need to add to our functional membership of the church, and that is inviting. And that's what I mean when I say I want us to become a church that invites people. And I'm totally on the line, ready to grow in this just as much as anybody else. See, I just don't think that inviting could be an optional extra anymore. It's not just for a few brave and passionate people, because we want to we make this the culture of our church. We want to understand that everybody sees that they have a call from God to invite others into his kingdom. It's an invitation not to church, but to Jesus. It's an invitation to God. Church is just the conduit, the, the community where that happens. But some things have to be grounded practically, and so practically it looks like an invitation to Alpha, to an Alpha launch party two weeks yesterday. But it doesn't stop there. I'm talking about this now because we have Alpha. And we have a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. 
But actually, this should be part of our culture ongoing, and that's why we've decided to add this in. I'll talk more about that next week, but just let me remind you about that word that was there at the beginning. Your inheritance has been decided today. The things that we do now will affect us for eternity. It reminds us of this verse in Joshua 24, which says, Choose this day for yourself whom you will serve. Could be the throw away the gods. Joshua says, throw away your, the gods your ancestors worshipped. Okay, and choose to serve God, and that's what I'm going to do. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now we're just going to be quiet for a minute, and then we're going to have a little pause. Go and get our kids. But why don't you just um, stand up, and why don't we just, uh, for a moment. Just invite the Holy Spirit to come speak to us. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. And Lord, Holy Spirit, I've spoken a lot of words. Would you come now and solidify and ground them into people's hearts? And Lord, where you are calling us to step out of our comfort zones this year, would you make that really clear right now? Make that really clear right now. Show us. Show us. We commit. We're open to your voice. Some of us have things to deal with. Some of us have people to talk to. Would you come? And would you make it clear? In the way that you do, Holy Spirit. Gentle, persuasive, loving, kind, challenging. And we commit ourselves to the best of our ability to respond to your invitations to us and to take your invitations to others. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we're just going to have a pause for a couple of minutes and we're going to get ready for our baptism. And if you have children in one of the groups upstairs, what I'd like you to do is go now and sign them out and bring them back here. And the rest of us, you can just find someone to chat to. We're just going to take a two, two to three minute pause while we set up and then we're just going to hear stories, uh, a couple of testimonies and we're going to baptise these two wonderful young ladies. And there will be time for ministry at the end of that if God is doing something with you.